Amen. Thank you so much, Mason and Ben. Um, well, what a what a comforting truth to be reminded of of the Lord who holds us fast and the one who holds us in His hand. And um, and I love that Jesus says in John ten that the one, the the ones that the Father has given me, um, no one will snatch them out of my hand. So what a what a blessed assurance we have. And uh, I want to welcome you back uh, this morning. And as we are continuing um, on our second day uh, with our speaker, uh, Joe Saxton, she was here yesterday uh, and uh, leaning into and speaking on the different, uh, the spiritual practices of worship and celebration, and then leaning in today to some other uh, different rhythms for us to be cultivating as followers of Christ that, that need uh, to be practiced within community uh, so that um, we can have a, a faith that will continue to thrive and that, that, that will last as Jesus is holding us, but yet we are called to partner with him and his grace uh, to fight the good fight, to the, the good fight and to run the race that's set before us. And so, um, Joe uh, Saxton, let me share just a little bit about her. She is a, an author, speaker, podcast host, and a leadership, co- and a leadership coach. Uh, she is, uh, her and her husband and two daughters live right here in the Twin Cities. Uh, she grew up in uh, the UK, uh, but her family uh, are immigrants from Nigeria and brings, again, just a unique perspective and enthusiasm and a, a contagious passion for, for Christ. Uh, she and her husband have also pastored here in the Twin Cities and are, are uh, involved now in the local church here. And so you can find her at joesaxton.com and uh, check out more of her content and the books that she has written and uh, the podcast uh, that she hosts each week. So um, I want to invite you to join me in uh, giving another warm Northwestern welcome to Joe Saxton. She takes the stage. And uh, would you please join me in praying that she doesn't fall uh, in this cavernous hole uh, during the message. I'm just kidding, but that too. But we're going to pray for her and pray for ourselves as well. So Father in heaven, thank you so much that you um, are the God who does hold us fast, that you are our keeper, our protector, deliverer. Um, Thank you that you are our refuge and our strength. God, thank you so much for bringing uh, Joe back here again for the second day, and as she is with us and speaks uh, to us, Lord. I pray that you would know that you are standing right here next to her, that by your spirit that you are indwelling her, empowering her, encouraging her, uh, equipping her uh, to partner with you in the work of transformation that we trust you want to do in each of our lives as we gather together to encounter your presence this morning. And so, Lord, help us to be awake, to lean in, to be eager, uh, to be both expectant but also dependent on you. God, we love you so much. And thank you for loving us first. Let me pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Morning, everybody. Um, Those of you I met yesterday, it's nice to see you again. Those of you who haven't, nice to see you now. Um, We were talking about worship yesterday. I'll just dive straight in. We were talking about worship and how worship isn't... Oh, that's still a hole. Worship isn't just singing. um, That worship is about surrender. And um, the words in the Greek and the Hebrew both talk about bowing low 
to God and um, surrendering our lives, putting him first in our lives. We talked about Thanksgiving and how, as we cultivate an attitude of gratitude, how it transforms our life. We talked about celebration and how important it is to recognize how far God has brought us, how much the Lord has held us. And today I want to talk about two practices, two spiritual practices that I want to invite and urge you to weigh and take seriously as you go on your own journey of faith, which are are connected to worship, but are actually part of our everyday lives. When I think of um, when I think of my friends who have walked with the Lord or walked from the Lord over the past 25, 30 years, these two practices have often had a lot to do with it in one way or another. Um, I want to remind us, though, before I even describe what they are, that Paul invite when he's talking about to Timothy, his one who he's discipled, he uses the words "train yourself to be godly." And, I, and even as, again, as we come to these practices, I want us to recognize and remember it's about training and not trying. When we train for things, it doesn't often look glorious. It doesn't always look good. It certainly doesn't feel good. It's a habit, it's a discipline that becomes a habit, that becomes a rhythm, that becomes our life. Um, and I just wanted to set that in place. The first topic I want to look at is the topic of forgiveness, the practice of forgiveness. We've often... Um, been led to feel either by the culture of the world around us or our own experience that forgiveness is a feeling, that we forgive when we feel like it and certainly when that person deserves it. Um, But actually when we look at the word and we look at our lives, we see that it's integral to the practice of our faith, but it's also integral to the the practice of our worship. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read it in two versions, the NLT and the message just for, well, emphasis really. So if you're presenting a sacrifice in the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, um, then leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In the message translation or interpretation, it says this, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and are about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge that a friend has against you, Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then, come back and work things out with God. I find these words really awkward. I I love the Sermon on the Mount, I love Matthew's Gospel, I love the words of Jesus, except ones like this. Because they force me to face things I don't really like about how I like to live. And as I even go into forgiveness, and um, I want us to recognize that Jesus is talking here in the context of an active community. There is a difference, even in scripture, when we see um, there's a, 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 the nature of forgiveness in relationships, not whether it happens or not, but, but there's a difference dealing with forgiveness when it's someone who cuts you up when you're driving compared to someone who's abused you, someone who's abandoned you. There's a difference in how we handle those things. This here is talking in the context of your community and your communal life. We'll touch on the other one too. But I want you to tread, I want to tread gently. I don't know your stories and what's brought you to this place in this moment. What it le- looked like for me to forgive a guy who dumped me <laughs> unceremoniously or just didn't ask me out or something is very different for the process of dealing with a father who'd abandoned me when I was a child. Different journeys, different stories, both important. Both practices that at whatever age or stage we are, we need to think about how we deal with. I think it was Mandela who said it. It was often attributed to Mandela who says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. So my question for us, even this day, 
is what are the grudges that we still carry? Who are the people we find it hard to let go of? Who are the issues? And I say who. Who are the issues that are part of our, the life of our community? And yes, we might want to talk about whether they believe the things that we do or the doctrines we have, but actually, this life of Jesus, this life of doing life with Jesus has far more to do with our relationships than will make us comfortable. Our biggest witness to the world around us is how we treat each other. Remember the words of Jesus about how we love one another and what it would say to a broken and hurting world? So how do we love one another? How do we love one another here? How do we love one another when we agree, but how do we love one another when we disagree? How do we love one another when we both like the same person and they picked the, not you? How do we love one another when we've been disappointed by one another? Because if we, or since we, take the word seriously, then there's an invitation here to make a habit of letting go. As if it wasn't enough, Jesus talks about it again in Matthew's gospel. And um, in Matthew 18, he gives something of a framework for how we handle our relationships. He says this, if a fellow believer hurts you, then go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others um, in the... Sorry, let me slow that down. If he doesn't listen, take one or two others so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with a need for repentance, and offer again God's forgiving love. Other translations say, treat the person like you would a tax collector. The thing is, the way Jesus treats tax collectors is different to how everybody else did. I don't know about you, but I'm often tempted to do this the other way around, this practice. When someone has wronged me, I like other people to know. I like people to take my side, how terrible that person was. And I won't do it blatantly, just in enough ways to make people think less of them. Just so that they know how they were. And then maybe I get a couple of people on side, particularly in the weeds of my bitterness. Bitterness is one of the things I call my reverse spiritual gift. I'm very good at it. I could mentor people in it all day long. Um, and then finally, by the time you get to face to face with that person, there's so much baggage there, reconciliation is far away real far away. How do you handle conflict? How do you handle falling out? One of my friends, one of my roommates, maybe she meant this about me, I'm thinking about it. Um, one of my roommates said, I used to feel I was the most forgiving person. Whenever someone said something was wrong, I said, oh, it's fine, it's fine. She said, I realized in the end, I was just the most bitter. Because she called it fine until it wasn't fine. And then the relationships would end. This is not a popular one of our spiritual practices. It's not the one that makes us say amen, but it is the one that changes and transforms our lives. It's the one that, when we, um, that will help our working relationships, our professional relationships, our marital relationships, our relationships with family. It's one that, one way or another, we get a chance to practice every day, whether we like it or not. It's, but is it this one that you're working on and working with? In Hebrews, it says this, work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. Another translation says this, work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much of a glimpse of God. 
Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out so that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Bitterness has a way of weeding its way into the life of a community, doesn't it? I'd invite you, you know, yes, we read the word, but the truth is the Bible reads us, reads our stories, reads our experiences. As it scans our souls, as it scans our relationships, is there anything the Lord will want to meet us in? I remember a number of years ago going to a conference or another um, and thinking that it was, actually, it was on bitterness. It was on bitterness, and I thought, oh, I'm really good at that. I'll go to that workshop. I see, see other skills I can develop, and, um, and if there's any ways I can refine my gift. And um, the, woman, the woman speaking said, the, the way you can know you've forgiven somebody for real is if, you, if they had IOUs and you're able to tear them up and say they don't owe you anything anymore. And at the end of it, they had a time for prayer if people wanted, you know, they had stuff to deal with. And, I, and people were weeping gently in corners and writing letters to people, it was the 90s, good times, writing letters to people and, and um, having deep conversations. And I was in the back hissing and stamping my feet because I was angry. And I was angry at God and I said, what do you mean IOUs? What do you mean tear up? I said, people owe me stuff. You owe me a reason for why you, why you bullied me. And you owe me a reason for why you called me names. You owe me a reason for your racism. You owe me a reason for your sexism. God, don't tell me they don't owe me anything. I had a long list, so I carried on in my prayers before the Lord while someone was playing music. Uh, and I said, Lord, that guy owes me a reason for why he dumped me, and that one owes me a reason for why he didn't dump me earlier. I have issues here. They're a story. It's things to contend with. But I, and honestly, I, there was one person I was really reserving it for, the one who had left our family, the one who I'd been defined by his absence all my life the one who was never part of my story, no birthdays, no Christmas presents, no teenage arguments, no slamming doors, no one to carry my bags in at college. And weirdly, that was the one that got me most. No one to be with me at the dorm and say goodbye. That was the one that reduced me to tears. Because I thought I wouldn't need him then, and I still did. And I remember saying to the Lord, I don't know if I can do this one. And yes, I'm in your presence and I'll sing the songs and I'll worship and I'll pray, but I don't know if I can let that one go. But I'm willing to be willing to be willing. <laughs> took me a while. That journey of forgiveness, in all honesty, took about 20 years. About 20 years. And so for those big parts of our story, those big wounds, those ones which may have involved abandonment or abuse or deep betrayals, my question for you in the presence of God as we worship is where are you at with it today? And what would the Lord invite you into today? Is it that you are willing to be willing to be willing? <laughs> is it that you need some counseling or some help or someone to process the, the damage that has been done to you? Because it didn't start with you. But now you're left as an adult dealing with the consequences of somebody else's sin against your life, against your story, against your bodies. I want to urge you, if that's part of your story then talk to the people here who can get you the help you need so that you are not drinking the poison and that you are not defined by the wounds inflicted on your story. Does that make sense? Choose freedom for your life. And it may take a long time to get there. 
I was in my 20s-ish when, when I had that particular conversation with God about my father. It was 34 when the job was complete. And we see, don't we, in the life of a Joseph who had been betrayed and treated terribly by his brothers. We know Joseph did, didn't have social skills when he was a teenager, but still. No emotional intelligence at all. But, but we see, don't we, in his story that Forgiveness becomes an unconditional thing, but relationship still takes, takes a while. He tests to see whether they've changed. And so there, there may be certain relationships that aren't appropriate to be back in your life. And so my, my invitation for you on that area of your story is to simply say, God, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of lasting. The words of Psalm 139, and see what today needs to look like for you. Just today. For the kind of more living in community kind of stuff, the practical living in community kind of stuff, my question or invitation to you is, who do you need to fix things with? Who do you need to release and let go? Maybe that relationship didn't go the way you hoped. Are you busy messing up that person's reputation elsewhere just so that nobody else likes them either? Oh, maybe that was just me who did that. Fine, thank you. Uh, where do you need to have a conversation with someone? Where do things need to be healed? Because friends, this is the gospel in action, yeah? This is the reality of living for Jesus. It's after the songs have done, after the Bible study's been finished, after you've got more degrees than a thermometer. It's this. It's the reality of this. This is the thing that will transform you or forever define you. Learn how to resolve conflicts. Learn how to forgive. Learn how to face the pain. Learn how to have awkward conversations. Learn to be mature enough. And the thing with training and not trying is that when you train at first, you're rubbish at it. Is that, that's English. Um, bad at it. <laughs> but you'll get better if you practice it. And so some tips. Um, some tips on how to. Maybe if there's some conversations you need to have. May, I'm going to use the example of a couple who had a bad breakup. Yeah? That, but, but I'm not saying everybody, it's not about being in couples. But maybe the tree where you vow to get engaged is not the place to have that conversation of healing. Maybe a Starbucks where, where it's open and people aren't going to go um, be too loud. Maybe that's the place. Remember when we're seeking to the practice of forgiving, the goal is reconciling, but it may not be that the relationship's the same. It's just bringing you to a place of peace. Maybe it's important to say how you felt about someone or what happened in your event, where the person who let you down, the person in your group project who messed up. But, it's not important, but what's not as important is whether you accuse them all the time. I'd encourage you to consider as believers um, where you're at with bitterness. <laughs> What are the, because if we don't confront things, then they do tend to linger. Like my friend used to say, my roommate used to say, I used to think I was the most forgiving, I turned out I was the most bitter. You'll know um, whether you feel bitterness to someone because you just don't want them to do well. Sometimes bile will rise in your throat. Um, sometimes you just hear them doing well and you don't like it. And I want to encourage you, if there are places where you know you can't have a conversation anymore, but you need to keep on releasing them, make a habit of praying blessing on them every day. That'll show whether you're forgiven them or not. There are, um, again, back to the 20s, my 20s. Um, 
long time ago. Um, back to my 20s, there were these two guys. I wasn't involved with them both at, both at once. Let me just emphasize that situation. I was not involved with them both at once. But no, there was not overlap, but it was just a very valuable year. And, um, and both situations ended badly. And as I lingered in my pain, um, it was unhealthy. I had, I had reasons to feel pain, and I felt I was justified, but it was unhealthy. And so I remember in my relationship with the Lord feeling like I took Lent um, and, I, and I felt like it was important to pray a blessing on each of those guys every day as they went into their happy futures without me. Um, <laughs> as you can see, the prayer started really well. Um, every day, just to pray a blessing, that pray, pray that God would bless their careers, that he would bless their relationships, he would bless their futures, he would do them good in their lives. The first day I was like, Lord... Amen, that's as far as I got. Uh, (laughs) And for the first week, it was, Lord, you need to know what they did. Were you not there? He used me, et cetera, et cetera. And the Lord's like, could we have the blessing at the end? Bless them. That was as far as I got. (laughs) But with the habit, and then after a while, there was a breaking, because I had to admit my bitterness was the fruit of pain. I was disappointed. I was disappointed on how things had ended. I was disappointed that I felt alone. I was disappointed that I was going to a a wedding, one of theirs. I was disappointed that it wasn't me. Even though I didn't want to be with them, I at least wanted to get in there first. I was disappointed. And so the the prayers went from anger and bitterness and and vindictiveness, and a happy mix of the three, to a grieving and saying, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. But in the presence of God, it's the safest place to be with your pain. Until by the end, and I think there are 40-something days in Lent, and I think it took all of them, maybe by day 39 or so, when I prayed blessing, I meant it. And my heart was free. Did I feel vulnerable and raw? Of course I did. Life is vulnerable and raw. Did I feel I looked good? No, I didn't. But so, that's what shopping is for. (laughs) <laughs> did, it reco- did, I, did it recover and did God turn around and give me the God of my dreams no he didn't that didn't happen for another six years but when I went into the presence of God and worshipped my heart was free and I could call them my brothers and mean it and I could wish good on their lives. And I didn't, when people would want to say something about how terrible they were, I was able to, to keep my mouth shut and my thoughts shut as well. And no longer was I poisoned by my own pain. But this transforming thing, you know, that same power that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us was actually doing a work in my life. And I simply invite you in the difficulty of being human, (laughs) in a community where people are human too, to find practical ways to put things right in your relationships, to have difficult conversations. And when you have to forgive somebody for who they are and not what they've done, I wanna invite you to talk to the Lord about it before you talk to them, because that bit might just be about you. When your expectations weren't met, it may be easy to be bitter, but actually that might be a thing with you and the Lord first. The practice of forgiveness is painful, but transformative. 
transformative for our worship, transformative for our souls. Even psychologists note the benefits, the physical and emotional and mental benefits of unforgiveness, even people with no faith. And yet we whose faith has been defined by forgiveness itself, we know it transforms us too. One more practice real quick before we wrap up. In James, it says, um, in James 5, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. I would love Christianity sometimes to just be about me and the Lord, where it involved not talking to anybody about who I was, where I was at, what was going on. But that's not real. Um, and Jesus in his, very, in his very being is relational. The Trinity in itself is relational. Jesus chose to have people to do life with, people he, was, he wept in front, of, was in front of, was vulnerable with. And I want to encourage you, as you seek to live out your faith, as you seek to live lives of worship more than songs of worship, who are the people who are close enough to you where you could admit parts of your story that don't look shiny? Who will pray with you, who will point you to a counselor if you need to, but stand with you and won't condemn you? And you will do the same with. Um, again, years ago, um, this was a Spice Girls era where, the, you know, the original time when we talked about what we really wanted, and... Um, and there were a lot of abs involved. And I didn't have abs, so I wore oversized clothing. And I remember that going on this fast, and it wasn't a fast, it was a diet, but I called it fasting because it sounded holier that way. And um, I'm praying for the nations. Mm -hmm. I'm praying for abs, friends. And, um, and doing the work and, and getting nowhere. And I remember being with one of my friends, and, I, and um, we, we decided we'd be prayer partners. And as we prayed, I felt the shame of my own insecurities, that I, was, that I was saying I was fasting, but I actually was, do you know what I mean? And there was all this other stuff going on. And I knew I needed to bring this pain and confusion and frustration into the light. It wasn't that eating order status, but I knew if I left this to, on, to run its course, I wasn't going to be in a good place. And because I, was, I wanted to wimp out on it, um, as we prayed, she prayed first, and I said, Lord, I pray that... Um, well, you can tell I'm not eating right now, and I have a problem right now, and I'm really scared I'm in. And then I looked up, and she was like, okay. And, and she said, tell me what's going on. And I told her all the things, and she said, well, let's pray every week, and I'm going to watch you to see if you need extra help, but let's, we're, we're going to process this together. And it began a journey in my life where I realized that our faith is transformed in community. I don't know what vices you're dealing with. I don't know what dreams you're holding that you need someone to cheer you on. But is there somebody in here, your life, someone in your story, someone of the same sex who you can share the most vulnerable parts of your story with, who is your peer, who can talk to you about your, your, the way you're spending and has permission to say, hey, we need to stop, who can talk to you about some of the habits and maybe the things you're watching or downloading that you know are unhealthy for you and who has permission to call you and see how, oh, do we call anymore or do we just text? Um, who has permission to be in your face and up in your business and say, look, can I pray with you? Do we know anybody well enough who knows our temptations who will have our back? Because when we hear the stories of big falls of grace from big leaders, they were often isolated and people suspected but felt it was impolite to ask. We can make a preemptive strike on our own stories. What are the things that we would rather hide? And who knows about them and who's praying? The Bible invites us, the Bible in encourages us, the Bible instructs us. Confe confess not your, just your dreams to one another, 
but even your sins to one another. Not so that you can feel shame, but so that you can be whole and healed. These practices, like I said, aren't the easiest ones. <laughs> they certainly bring out the raw and vulnerable. But even now, as a 46 almost woman, this is one of the important practices of my life. The practice of active forgiveness, the practice of accountability, healthy accountability, where people can see my story and speak into it, and where people can ask me the questions that I can't escape. Sometimes you can talk to a mentor and escape the questions from the people who see you on a Friday night. But we need peers in our story as well. Worship is wonderful, friends. Knowing Jesus is wonderful. Knowing him is transformative. But as we go on this journey, as you go on your journey of faith, as you go on your journey with the Lord, I urge you and invite you, let him do everything he's got in store for you. Build, a, yes, your practice of worship, your practice in the word, your practice of prayer. But invite him into the practice of forgiveness. For the big stuff, simply ask what he wants for today. For the smaller in your community stuff, begin to think of the conversations you need to have. And build the kind of rock-solid friendships that will carry you for years through the highs and lows of your life and lead you with honesty and integrity. Let me pray for you real quick. Lord God, I do want to thank you for this wonderful crowd of people. And I pray your blessing on them. I pray for those who have been defined by the wounds that have inflicted their stories. Show them the next step on the journey of forgiveness. For those of us who need to heal in awkward and have some awkward conversations, give us courage. And for each of us, give us a safe place. Someone whom we can confess our story to and equally and find heal healing and wholeness and freedom. Bless these guys, Lord. Bless their relationship with you and lead them into greater maturity and depth and freedom. In Jesus' name, for your glory and yours alone. Amen. Have a good day. You're dismissed.